Good evening, hope you're all doing well. Starting at a fresh mission on the bottom of Yudalad Amid Base. Tonight we're going to be learning Masechus Ksubis Tesvav and Tesayin Amid Aleph. We'll be stopping four lines from the bottom of Tesayin Amid Aleph, and we will be continuing on Shabbos with Tesayin Amid Beis and Daf Yud Zayin. For Hashem, tonight we're going to be finishing the first parak. Uh, we've already learned uh, more than 10% of this Masechta. How long is this Masechta? Let me check. 120s? Not even. 112. Well, we're well more than that. We're maybe even 15%. Says the new Mishnah. Eight, nine lines from the bottom of Yudalad Amit Beis. The new Mishnah reads, Amar Story of a Tinokes, a young girl, who went down to go fill up a pitcher of water by the Ayin. Rashi explains it's not an Ayin, it's a Ma'ayan. So interesting why the language is, is the way that it is. And she was violated. Amar of Yochanan ben Nuri, Imrov Anshe Ha'ir Masin Kuhuna. If most of the men in that community that had they violated a woman, a woman could still be married to the kahuna, kahuna, then this girl as well can do that. If you take a look at uh, at Rashi here, Rashi gives us a little bit more of what's going on. Three lines from the bottom of the page, Rashi says, If most people are able to marry their daughters to the um, to uh, to a kohen, so then she'ein rov bnei so then this woman as well would be able to, this girl when she was violated as a tinokes could still marry in. So that's what the Mishnah says is our case, the girl who was Nebuch violated at the Ma'aya. Omar le Rava, le Rav Nachman, Rava says to Rav Nachman, Rav Yochanan ben Nuri to Omar Kiman. Rav Yochanan ben Nuri, who does he hold like? The condition and the psak don't make sense. The psak was that she's muteris to a coin, but the condition doesn't fit because the condition says only if there's rogue sherim. That's not that's not Rabban Gamliel. Rabban Gamliel is the psak without the condition. Rabban Gamliel says she's na'emenes, that or in general he says that she's na'emenes, even without the robe. So why over here does Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri need a robe if we're like, like Rabban Gamliel? And Ika Rabbi Yoshua well, then Rabbi Yeshua, the Psak is wrong, who says, So, this answer doesn't fit with the previous themed shitas of Rabban Gamliel and Rabbi Yeshua. So, Amar Lei, Rav Nachman responds back to Rabbi, let me tell you what Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri was thinking. And the Gemara says, Amar Lei, Hachi, Amar Rabbi Yehuda, Amar Rab. He says, what are we talking about here? The Kronos Shel Tzipori. We're talking about where there was caravans in Sipori. This is the story that took place when this, unfortunately, when this girl was violated. So Rashi at the bottom of Yudalad Amabez, the last Rashi says, And really the halacha is that we're going to say she's mutter, but I, Rabbi Yeshua, doesn't usually say she's mutter. So there's a uniqueness here that makes Rabbi Yeshua say she's mutter. What's that? That in addition to the city being Rokh Sherim, there also was Kronos Shel Tzipori. There was a second rogue, as we'll see in a moment. Uched Rav Ami, top of test, Vav Medalev, top line. When there is the second robe, that's what Rashi says on the second line. Rashi, we have two robes in place right now. Rove of the people who live in the city are Ksherim. And even of the visitors, robe of those people are also Ksherim. So there, even though Rabbi Yeshua otherwise would have said she would be problematic here, he's going to be lenient because there's two robes. And the Gemara says, Rav 
Yanai, three lines down, the Amar of Yanai, Nivelis Bekronos Kshirlikuna, that if a woman was violated in the Kronos in the caravans, in uh, in one of the chariots, so then she's still Kshirlikuna. Asks the Gemara just a logistical, technical question. Bekronos al a woman can't possibly be violated like that at Bekronos. She's being violated. There's people around. It's not, it's not like a normal climate. If we're saying these people are Kshirim, there's no possible way the Kshirim would, would be would be onlookers to such a to such a crime. So it says the Gemara, of course, that's not what we meant. Elanivelis Bishas Kronos That if at the time when the Kronos were visiting that city, so then we have the double rove. We have a rove that the city is rove Kshirim, and we have a rove that most of the visitors are also Kshirim. And because we have that, so that double rove motivates Rabbi Yoshua to break protocol and to say that he therefore will be lenient in our Mishnah. So our Mishnah is like Reb, uh, like Rabbi Yoshua. Or I should say, Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri in our Mishnah is like Rabbi Yoshua. And then says the Gemara, to close off this answer, when a neat little bow, But had it been that one person from Tzipori had separated himself, so then the Vlad is a Shtuki. Why is that the case? Why would it be that Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri and Rabbi Yoshua would say that if one man separates himself from the pack, he didn't violate her within the city limits. He violated her outside of the city limits. So then says the Gemara that she, the child is Shtuki. Why? What happened to our double rove? So Rashi explains this for us. Rashi is 10 lines down. He's no longer part of the Shayara. He's no longer part of the caravans. So the only time Rabbi Yoshua slash Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri would be Mekil is when there's a double rove. And there is no double rove here anymore because this person, person separated himself from the pack. And in fact, this idea is has a raya brura to it. We are seven lines down. When Rav Dimi came from Eretz Yisrael, he said in the name of Zairi, who said in the name of Rav Chanina, some say it was Amr Zairi, Amr Rav Chanina. Either way, whoever the author was of this line, what did they say? A very difficult line to understand. The Gemara is going to be bothered by it. We do follow the majority of a city. However, we don't follow the, mo- the majority of a sea of the of the transports of the caravans says the gemara klape laya klape laya is a language in the gemara of shock and dismay what is going on here that makes absolutely no sense hani naide bahane kvie vikaime these are portable namely the people in the caravan are movable they're constantly on the move bahane kvie vikaime the people who live here are kavua so what is this talking about so we've had this idea once before, and we're going to be spending much more time on it today. And this is an idea in Hilchos uh, Ta'aroves, and found primarily mm-hmm. in, here and another a couple of other places in Shas, of a principle called Kavua. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the mm-hmm. principles of Kavua work like this. And we're going to see examples of this in the Gemara. When something has a fixed location, even if the numbers indicate majority, we don't look at it that way. We then say that uh, it's kavua is kemechza al nechza. So even though most of the city is going to be Jews, that may be, but kol kavua kemechza al nechza dami. Even though it's ninety ten in math, when we uh, when something happens in that fixed place, so then that is considered to be kavua, and kavua is kemechza al nechza dami. So it shouldn't have been that we follow rov when it comes to the ear. What did Rav Chanina say? We follow the rove of the city. We shouldn't be following the rove of the city. The city is a kavua. And then you're going to say, we don't follow the rove of the sia. The sia is the caravan that's portable. That's specifically where we should have the majority. So it says the Gemara, you're right. When is it that we follow the rove of a city? Because a city shouldn't have a rove. 
A city shouldn't have a rov because it's kavua. People live in their homes. So because that city is kavua, it should be kemechza al-mechzadam. So the Gemara breaks its own rule. When do we say that we follow the rov of the city? Says the Gemara, when there's a second rov. We do not follow the majority of either the city or the caravans when they're on their own, because in regards to the city, it would be called Kavua Kemechzal Mechzadami. So we need the combo deal. It says the Gemara, my time, why is it that after the, the majority of the Sia, the majority of the uh, of the caravans, why wouldn't that work? That's not Kavua. We should have regular rules of rope, says the Gemara, Gzera Rov Sia Atu Rov Hayir. We have to be Makbid on the, on the caravan to say, that we are not going to rely on a rove, and we're going to be machmir about it because of the rove of the city. And the rove of the city is unreliable because when it's a city, the city is considered kavua. And says the Gemara, even when we talk about the majority of a city, if somebody leaves his home to be with this woman, then he's no longer kavua. Kavua means you're in your place. And if this guy is in his place, then he's kemechza al-mechza. But if he leaves his house to be with this woman, so then says the Gemara, then we no longer say that it's 50-50, that it's kavua. Rather, we say, kol de parish meruba parish. Rabbi Resnick gave a beautiful example to articulate the difference between these two things. He said, if you have a gumball machine and you uh, put in a quarter, and you turn the knob, and a gumball comes out, and you look at that, and the machine's covered. You can't see what's inside. So then we would say, call the parish, meruba parish. We would say, most likely, the gumball that has come out of this machine is like whatever the majority is inside the machine. So let's say that there's 90 gumballs of one color and 10 gumballs of another. Statistically, we could paskin, as it were, on the gumball that it's the color of the majority. However, says the Gemara, when we put our hand inside the gumball machine, and not that the gumball is separating itself, then we have a halachic logic. It's not a, a mathematical logic. The mathematical logic would dictate that if you grab one from within the container or turn the knob and let the ball fall out of the container, that it should be the same ball. Statistically, a nine out of 10, it's going to be the blue instead of the white. That's true. But halachically speaking, that doesn't work. And we're going to see a little bit more about where we learn the principle of kavua from. But when something is in a fixed place, we say, kol kavua kemechzal mechzadami. And when something separates itself from the pack, then we say, kol de parish meruba parish, that this thing is from the majority. And these halachic principles are employed in detail in, uh, in Shulchan Aruch, in the halachos of Tarovis. For sure, one of the hardest, probably the hardest bechina, for at least for me, that I took in Smicha. I think I got in the 70s on that one. Don't ask me any questions about it. That was a very hard test. There was these very complex multi-layered chilas about mixtures and do we say kavua and do we say kol de parish? So kavua, when do we say kol kavua is kemechs al mechsa? That's when something is fixed in place. And the kol kavua, anything that's in a fixed place, we don't, we don't care about the number of those fixed places. We don't care that the city's majority Jewish. If everyone's at home, then it's kol kavua kemechs al mechsa dami, anything that's fixed in place. So then we look at the statistics of that community as 50-50. However, if somebody separates themselves from their community, so then we look at them as called a parish meruba parish, that, that we then assume that this person is part of the majority. So when we're fixed at home, it's 50-50, even though the numbers don't look that way. We treat it as 50-50. And when we're separated from home, then we look at it as rov, whatever the, the, the rules are. So it says the Gemara, I don't understand. When it comes to the rov ha'ir, if the man were to leave his house to go be with the woman, then we no longer have the rules of kavua. Rather, we have the rules of called a parish meruba parish, and that's not true. 
So says the Gemara, you're right. Lo tzricha, third of the way down on Tesvavamadalev. She went to his house. And in such a case, there's Kavua. And that's why our Mishnah is following the principles of Kavua and not the principles of Rov. Uh, the reason why our Mishnah it needs a double rove to be uh, to be lenient, which is Rabbi Yoshua, the reason why we hold that way is because our Mishnah is a case of Kimechza al Mechza. It's a case of Kavua. Says the Gemara, Does our Mishnah really, in fact, require two robes in order to allow the woman to remain a kshera? After all, the Gemara says, nearing the halfway mark on Tesvav Manalev, we have a Brisa. There are nine stores. Nine stores sell basar shkuta. They sell kosher meat. And one sells treif unshechted meat. So this guy, just imagine you're in a food court in a mall. And there's 10 butchers, nine of them are Jewish and one of them is not. So if you take nine of them, what should the din be? Do we say that it's kavua, that it's fixed? Or do we say that it's regular rules of rope? So according to the rules of kavua, because the restaurants are all fixed in place, because the butchers are established establishments, so therefore we have no choice but to say it's kemechza mechza, And therefore the Gemara says, sveiko aser. If we have these 10 stores in a food court and I have find a piece of meat, I'm not allowed to eat it. I, what about majority? Majority doesn't rule when it's kavua because the stores are kavua. So therefore, kavua is kemechza al mechza, and therefore you're not allowed to eat the meat. However, says the Gemara, uven nimza, if you found the meat in a random place in the mall, not in the food court, it's been separated from that kavua place. It's no longer in the food court. So then uven nimza, then halacha hararov. So here's nafkamina. You find it, you're in the store. Let's say you, you walked up to the counter you weren't looking. You walk up to the counter and you buy a piece of meat. You're not looking. And then you uh, you take the meat. You're about to open it. You're like, which store did I just go to? And you turn around and you look and there's nine kosher and one tray. The halacha is the meat is 50-50. You're not allowed to eat it. However, that same piece of meat, had you found it down the hall next to Old Navy, mutter, because it's rove. So these are the principles that are difficult to understand. So the Gemara says, what do we see from here? We see Sveiko Aser, and if you find it elsewhere, then we apply the rules of rope. So therefore, the Gemara says, it doesn't seem that we need to have two roves in order to be lenient. Because what does it seem to say? So it says the Gemara, and if you want to say, maybe we're talking about a community where the where the doors are open, and there really is a second row. That's not the case. Because even if the doors had been locked in the, to the community, so then still we would have had the same halacha, even though there's only one row. So that's a good question. So the Gemara then responds, how do we know that we need two robes in order to be matir in our case? The Gemara responds, we have a stricter line, we have a stricter level of standard when it comes to yuchsin. What does this answer mean? It means that when it comes to our Gemara, our Mishnah that we started with on the bottom of Yudal and base, we said there was Nebuch, a young girl who was violated, and we want to know if she's still kosher to, to Kahuna. The Gemara develops this idea from Rav Yochanan ben Nuri and connecting it to Rav Yoshua, that really what we're saying is that this case is a case of Kavua. Kavua typically is a case of Mechza al-Mechza, and uh, really it should be Aser. 
However, because there's two rows, we have rov ha'ir, and we also have the rov of the caravans, so therefore we're going to be lenient. But why did we have such a high standard? Why do we need two rows in this case? So the Gemara responds, because what's going on in our Mishnah is a case of yuchsen. We don't mess around with yuchsen. We don't mess around with lineage. I can tell you as a Moab, people are messing around with their lineage. They have no clue what's going on. Even the most simple uh, case scenario of this person not being a yid, Forget about Yuchsin. Like at least the baby's a yid, but he has no Masora in, in Klalisra. And all of these cases of women who are getting pregnant in their early 40s because the their 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 clock is ticking and they go to a sperm bank. What about Yuchsin? What about Yuchsin? These are big problems. So the Gemara says, because we're so mocked on Yuchsin, we needed a very high standard in order to get out of this unfortunate scenario that this girl is in. And the way we got, got out of it is yes, it's Kavua Kemechsal That's true. However, the way to get out of it is by having a double rope. So this is like the, why, again, we're going to see this on almost every dot. This is why this Masechta is called Shas Katan. Do you know how many halachic phrases we are using? Right? You've got Kavua, you've got Rove, and you've got, you've got Kahuna going on here, and you've got, uh, you've almost stuff with violations of young children, and the Shizikhtana, will the Basulim come back? Will it not come back? How much is it? There's such an interweave of sugas here. It's, it's hard to hold cup on all of them. It really is. It's difficult, but this is this is what the Gemara says up until now, and that ends suga number one for tonight. We're halfway down on Tesvavim and Aleph. Let's uh, hyperanalyze uh, this idea that we've been talking about, Gufa. Gufa always means to quote something that we've just previously learned and to analyze it. What did we just learn? Not only do we have a principle that when something is fixed in place that we no longer look at the numbers and math, but rather we look at the halachic reality that it's 50-50. That's true, both Lakula and Lechumra. So says the Gemara, how do we know that the principle of kol kavua kemechzal is employed both leniently and stringently? So the Gemara says as follows. If you want to try and learn from the case of the nine stores that were, were both lenient and strict, um, by mechz, by kavua that can't be because what was the case there? We said kulan mochros basur shkuta ve'achas basur nevela. There were many stores that sold kosher meat and one that sold non kosher meat. V'lakach me'achas men ve'ne yodei me'ez and lakach. He doesn't know what he did. We said sveiko aser. Okay, we see the chumra. What's the rest of that brayse that we had seen already? That uvenimza halachachar harov, and therefore. We don't see a case that's lenient at all. In the case of Kavua, which was that first case where they found it in the store, where he bought it from the store, Hasam Lechumra, that's only a case of Chumra. So, okay, granted, I understand how you can find the case of Kavua, that Kol Kavua Kemechzal Mechzadami, I see how you can be stringent, I see how you can be strict, but where do we see a leniency that's, uh, that is applied from the world of Kavua? So the Gemara poses a second possibility, two-thirds of the way down. Elamitisha we know that certain animals have a significant level of tumor. They're referred to as the shmona shratzim. Eight certain shratzim have a very high level of tumor. Frogs are shratzim that don't have this high level of tumor. So let's say that you had a mixture of animals. Nine of them are frogs, which don't have this high level of tumor. And one is a, a very high level tumor, sheretz. We don't know which one you touched. What's the din? Why? Because are we being lenient or strict here? We're being very strict. So says the Gemara, the case of the frogs, that case is also a case where, yes, we have kavua and we apply the rules of that's why we're strict. However, what we don't have is a kula. So we're still searching 
for an application of the principle of kavua, where we're lenient. The Gemara then tries with the third possibility. Ella, maybe it's mitisha shratim echad benin. Maybe it's nine animals that are that have a high level of tuma and one frog that has a low level of tuma. And in such a case, the noga be'echad mehen noga. And then you touched it, but we don't know, says the Gemara. We don't know if which one you touched. So what's the din? So says the Gemara. And here we are going back to Maseches Erevin, Maseches Shabbos, some old principles in Halacha. Again, Shas Katan, Birshus HaYachid, when it comes to a Rishus HaYachid, Sveiko Tameh. As a general rule, when we have a suffix by Tumah in Rishus HaYachid, we're Machmir. And Birshus HaRabim, Sveiko Tahor. So the Gemara has now found its lenient application of Kavua Kemechzal Mechzadami. Let's say the case out. The question we asked is, how do we know that according to Rabzeira, when we say kavua is kemechza al-mechza, that it's also true lakula? And the Gemara says, we have a case where there is nine shratim that are tmeim, nine of the shmona, nine, shmona, nine shratim, each of which are of the shmona shratim. So you can't say nine shmona shratim, that doesn't make sense. So the Gemara says, we have nine animals, each of which are of the shmona shratim. And the halacha is, that we have, and we only have only one frog. So we say there that there's a suffix, a big suffix, it's a nine. It's one to nine odds that you're not tummy. But the Gemara says that when we have a suffix on tumah birshus harabim, we're mekel. So that's where we see the leniency. How do we know where this principle comes from? I think I wanted to show you a Rashi here. No. Mm, no. Okay. Where do we see this principle from? Amar Krav, because the pasuk reads. The pasuk reads that uh, he uh, he attacked him and he killed him. So says the Gemara, you're not really going to be held fully liable for a murder when you're attacking someone unless you specifically intended to kill person X. But you have intend if you if you intended to kill person Y, so then the consequence is different. Jewish law is uh, quite nuanced. Secular law has similar iterations. Is it manslaughter? Is it murder? First degree murder? Second degree murder? All of them with their own parameters. So here the Gemara is saying that according to this shita, unless you have specific intent to kill person X. So let's say in a gang war, I'm planning on killing person X that goes through a wall and kills person kills person Y. Totally different ballgame. Person still died. I'm not saying it isn't, but your intentions play a very big role. If you're Abbanan, who disagree with this Tanakama, who with the Tanakama says Ashi is Kavinlo, Amre Debe Ravyanai, they say the drush is different. Prat Lazorik Evan Lego. That's if a person just picks up a rock and throws it into a group of people and someone dies. That in that case, you're not going to be held accountable. But if you tried to kill person X and instead you killed person Y, you would be liable. Hey Chidami, what is the case? So says the Gemara as follows. Ten lines from the bottom. Ilema de ikatisha kenaanim or gayim, different language. What do you have in the regular gemaras there? It's a, we're 10 lines from the bottom. Hechidami. Ilema de ikatisha, what's the next word? Kenaanim or gayim? Okay. It says kenaanim in mine, but it has a quote on the side to turn it into gayim. And the dhusim yishanim, this was probably from the from the censors over the years. There were a few, <clears throat> few changes that stayed into our text. Okay. Ilema de ikatisha kenaanim, bechad yisrael benehem. Maybe we can just say that there is a majority of people over there, and uh, and that's uh, and that's why we would hold the way that we do. Inami palga upalga. Even if you want to say that it's palga upalga, that doesn't work either because safek nefashas lahakel. We would never punish the murderer, even he, even if he's an accidental murderer. It's palga upalga. We have a rule that when we uh, when we are when we are don dine nefashos that we need to have a, a separation of two people in Bezdin in order to kill. We need a we need a no a more noticeable majority. 
So none of these cases can be it. Lo Tzricha says the Gemara, what is the case where we see that the Rabbanon hold, hold prat, uh, Lezorik Evan Lego? What is that case? Lo Tzricha, there's nine Yidin and one Goy, the Kanani himself is a Kavua, that was his house, whatever the case may be. And therefore we see Midoraisa that we have this principle of Kol Kavua Kemechzal Mechzadami. So Lemaisa, what uh, what do we learn from our Mishnah? Says the Gemara at the very bottom of Tesvav Menalif Itmar Rebchiyabar Ashi Amar uh, Itmar Rebchiyabar Ashi Amar Rab Halacha Kirabiosi. We paskin like this Mishnah about Rabbiosi, namely that our Mishnah had said in the name of Rabbiosi, who then quoted Rav Yochanan Ben Nuri, that even though it's a case of Kavua and even though Kol Kavua is Kemechzal Mechzadami, but still because we have Shte Rube, we have two robes in this case. One is the robe of the city and one is the robe of the caravans that were there. We're allowed to be lenient on this girl who was violated as a child because of the double robe. We allow her to marry in. Rav Hanan Var Rava Omar Rav No, Oras Shahaisa. It was only a harasha. It wasn't a regular psak halacha. So that's really the discussion in these few lines is what is the nature of our Mishnah? Is our Mishnah run-of-the-mill, regular, uh, everyday halacha? Or is it like COVID halacha? Like uh, things are different. So now the gabai, now we don't need any gabai and buy the tables anymore. Now do we touch the Torah handles? Do we, so those are all dinim bidiyevet. I'm not, whatever, I'm not being, just speaking sweepingly. There's a lot of dinim bidiyevet that we relied upon. We davened at home. I, Ladina, you should die. Yeah, you should. Okay, it's Din B'diyevet. So is this Mishnah, Rasha? Is this Mishnah unique? Or is this Mishnah for year-round? So that's what the Gemara says. is a discussion between um, Rav Chia Bar Ashi on the one side, in the name of Rav, who says that we do hold like Rav Yossi, year-round. And uh, Rav Chanan Bar Abba, Amar Rav says, it's Horas Shahaisa. Says Rashi, two lines from the bottom, Horas Shahaisa. Hach Rav Yochanan Ben Nuri, Tzorach Shahaisa. We really do need Trey Rubin for, for many generations. And then the Gemara asks a question. Rashi says out of the gates that he misunderstood what was going on. Rav Yirmiya wasn't really aware of what was going on here. He made an error. He misunderstood the Shita of Rav is what Rashi says. He's asking on Rav, how can you say that we don't need um, uh, two robes in order to allow her to marry if we're dealing with Yuchsin. After all, the Hatsnan, turning to the top of Daf Tesvav and Medbez. So, after all, how can you say we don't need two robes? The Mishnah writes on the top of Tesvav and Medbez, we have these safe haven rules. They find a baby. And the baby was mushlach. He was uh, cast aside. So how do we view this child? Is he a yid or is he not a yid? Says the Gemara. Im rov if we find him in a city where most people are goyim, then then he's treated like a goyim. Im rov Yisrael, Yisrael. If it's going to be a community like, like Williamsburg, whatever. So then in that case, uh, Yisrael. And Merza al Merza, if Mamish, Mamish 50%, says the Gemara, then that child is considered a Yisrael. Now, what does Rav say about this? All this means is that we have a burden to keep him alive. However, he is not halachically a Yid based on one rove, which means we need two roves. Not only that, only the only this only conversation is: Are we allowed to be mechalal Shabbos if a building falls on this child? How far do we go? But to say that the child is a full yid, we're not ready to say that. 
We're not ready to say that he's a fool yet based on rope. Think about that. Would you want your daughter to marry this boy who was found on the doorstep in a community that was 80% Jewish? Statistically speaking, with no evidence against it, there's an 8 in 10 chance that that child is a Jew. No, you're going to say, go jump in the mikvah, and you're going to say, go get a bris, and you're going to say, uh, you got to do a whole gerus. But the Gemara says that if there was only one rove, you're right. We would not trust that that person is Jewish. The Horaya that we see from here that we need two roves, says the Gemara, obviously, Rav Yermia misunderstood Rav, because Rav Yermia obviously didn't see the initial uh, comment that we saw to, to touch up our Mishnah. When we learned our Mishnah over here on the bottom, we asked a question. We said, Rav Yochanan Benuri, who is he like? He doesn't align with Rav Gamliel or with Rav Yoshua. And we said, he's really like Rav Yoshua and there's two roves. That was Rav. Rav said on the top of that page, Rav, on the very bottom line of Yadalim and Bey's going to test Rav Amadalev, said that, that we're talking about two robes. So obviously, Rav Yermia missed what was going on. And the Gemara leaves it at that. And then uh, one last question in, uh, in this little sugya, and that'll bring us to our next sugya, which is um, six lines down, seven lines down, test Rav Amadalev. According to Rav Chonan Bar Abba, who says that really it was a horas shah and really it shouldn't be that way. So then this Mishnah of the Tinok, tinok Mushlach doesn't align with his Shita. And the Gemara responds, you're right. Don't worry, it's not really a stira. It's two different Shitas. They're different authors. Let's discuss of the case. Let's discuss the case now of the Tinok Mushlach. Says the Gemara, quarter of the way down on Tesvav and Mudbeis, heading to the end of the parrot. Gufa, Matzabatinok Mushlach, we had said that if the baby was found in a place where Imrovovde Kochavim Ovid Kochavim, and then we said Imrov Yisrael Yisrael, the baby would be a Yid if he was uh, born in a community that's Jewish. Mechzal Mechza, if he's born in a community that's 50 50, so then we treat the baby like a Yisrael. And we had said earlier, like we're saying again, that's only true to keep him alive. We're obligated to feed him, we're obligated to make sure that he's sustained. But to say that he's a Yid and he can marry our children is not correct. And uh, the only din that we're talking about is whether or not we can save him. So it says the Gemara, something's off with Shmuel. Is it correct? Think about this. We find this baby. If the city is mostly Goyim, we treat him like a Goyim. And what does Shmuel say? The only thing we're talking about here is can we save him on Shabbos? What if there's a 1% chance that that baby's a Yid? So he's born in, uh, he's born in a community of all Goyim. You, this, uh, the safe haven rule, baby's dropped off at a, uh, at, a, at a hospital. And he happens to be fostering in the home of a Yid. So then there comes Chil Shabbos, if it's Pikuach, Nefashos, whatever the case may be, it's allowed to be Mechal Shabbos for the baby. Is it total going? Yes or no? So Shmuel doesn't make sense. We don't use Rove to determine Pikuach Nefesh. I hate to be one. That's why Shul's needed to close down. We, there's a 1% chance that someone could get could die. There's a 0.5% chance that someone can die because of COVID. Close the shoals. That was like the whole hack about suffix pikuach nefashos. That's why a lot of shoals close down very, very quickly. Because if there's a suffix pikuach nefashos, you don't mess around. We don't look at rove when it comes to pikuach nefashos. We look at the minority. So says the Gemara, we don't even understand how this is possible that Shmuel would say that if the baby was born in a community, if he was put in a safe haven hospital, which was mostly gun that we don't, Violate Shabbos from? Of course we violate Shabbos from. Ella, you're right. Says Gemara, you're 100% correct. Shmuel would never say such a thing. Halfway down, Tesvav He was talking about a different din. How does it play out? Like this. 
On the Resha line of uh, of Im Rov Ovde Kochavim Ove Kochavim, on that Omar Shmuel Ulufakech Aleves Hagal Enoke, the opposite, is that if we the baby's born in a community and we say, oh, most of the people are going, the baby must be a guy. Shmuel touches and says, yeah, he's a guy, but not as it relates to this. As it relates to Hilcho Shabbos, we violate Shabbos to save this baby, 100%. If that's true, then what is the line of Imrov Ovde Kochavim mean according to everybody else? We understand what it means according to Shmuel. What does it mean? It's mutter to feed that child Nevelos. Oh, so you can give, you don't have to give him the expensive Romanian meat. You can give him across the aisle at Jewel, the one a little bit further back. It's, it's 10 feet apart and it's Nisr Daraisa to eat. That the kid can eat. No problem at all. That's fine. In Rov Yisrael, Yisrael, what then is the din of Rov Yisrael if the baby's born in Williamsburg and then we, he's a safe haven baby, what should we do? So we said that's only that if in fact this child lost something, okay, maybe we won't let him marry our, our children. We won't let him marry our daughters. However, we do have the mitzvah to give back to him. What about the case of Mechzal, Mechzal, Yisrael, uh, Mechzal, Mechzal, Yisrael, Mahel Chasal? So if it's half and half, we call him Yisrael for what purposes? That's true for the Halachos of Nezikin. We'll get to Nezikin soon. Avos, Babakama, all the Babas will get there. Says the Gemara, Hechidami, what is the case over here of Nezikin? If one of our animals was to gore one of his animals, so Lema Leib will say to him, I see Raya de Yisrael, Adushkol. Prove to me that you're a yid, and then I'll give you money. But if you're not a yid, I don't owe you money. Lo what then is the case? Says the Gemara, His animal gored one of our animals. Palga mashalim. He's always going to have to pay half under those circumstances. Ve'idach palga, and for the other half, Amar lehu, the person who's a safe haven baby is going to say, Amar lehu, I see right. Olav Yisrael ana. If you can prove to me that I'm not a yid, ve'atein lechun, and I'll give you the rest of the money. So that's what the Gemara says: is that when this Bryce is speaking about a case of mechzal mechza, what that means is that he doesn't necessarily have to pay everything if his animal gores one of ours. Hadran alach b'sulanises baruch Hashem. We finished the first parak of Maseches Ksubos. That we should be zochet to come back to this page in seven and a half years. The basic mikdash standing. Oh, I forgot. We're learning tonight. Eli Nishmas, your grandfather. Yeah, Chaim Yoshua Ben Yosef Chaim. He writes on the neshama should have an aliyah. So the new parak opens. This is Paraka Isha Shenis Armala, and those are the starting words. Isha Shenis Armala Shenis Garsha, a woman who became widowed or divorced. He Omeres. She says Basula Nisasani. Um, I, um, I I married when I was a basula. You married as an almana. You were already had tash meshamita. If prior to marriage we saw we saw that she was walking outside behinuma, we're going to learn tomorrow what a hinuma is. I believe it's tomorrow, and virosha parua that she wasn't covering her hair because we know ladina that a woman must cover her hair. We treat her then like a basula because she was behaving like a basula. Obviously, that's not true in a community where people don't cover their hair. And the previous generation, many women didn't cover their hair, even a great Rabbanim Chashuvah, a lot of women didn't cover their hair. So in that generation, it's different. But in a generation where everyone covers their hair, so then when you see a woman who's not covering her hair, that's a Raya Brura that, uh, that, she's, uh, that she's not married, and presumably a Basula. Rav Yochanan ben Baruch Omer, Av Chiluk Kalayos Raya. Even the handing out of Klaus, they look at societal norms, contextual societal norms. If they're handing out candies that were only handed out when a woman was a basula, great, give out the Greek. Oh, she must be, uh, must be that when she got married, she was a basula. 
And then the Gemara says a line. We have to figure out what this means. Umode, Umode Rabbi Yoshua, Rabbi, Rabbi Yoshua agrees to what we just said. Rabbi Yeshua says that we similar, we, meaning he agrees that if the logic of the previous case would be applied here, then he would agree that had it been that a man said to his friend, let's say, I say to my friend Chaim, this field really belonged to your father, Haisa, and I bought it from him. So the halacha is that I'm Neman. Why? And talk about a Shas concept. Top of Tezayin and Baralav, Shahapesha Osar, who Hapesha Hitir. If it is my mouth that assert something, then it can also be my mouth that is going to be Matir something because I never had to say the first thing in the first place. If I'm willing to go out on a ledge and say, I really didn't own this, it belonged to your father. And then step two, I bought it from him. So Migo, I could have said nothing. I could have just said it's my field and I would have been right. So by virtue of the fact that I said, Pesha Asar, therefore Pesha Hitir. So she um, she could have said the same thing. Okay, fine. Let's get, let's get into the rest of this Mishnah and then we'll, finish, we'll learn the Gemara. If there were Edim that really the field is of the father, so the Edim don't work. Edim and then him saying he owns it is not the same as Pesha Asar Pesha Hitir. So if I say the field is mine, and if I say the field was your father's, but I bought it from him, we believe it. If there are Edim that the field belonged to the father, and then I said the field belongs to me, that's not the case, because that's not Pesha Asar Pesha Hitir. Says the Gemara, The only reason why this woman in the ratio of our Mishnah, when she says that uh, she was a Basula Nesasani, is because there were Edim. However, says the Gemara, had there not been Edim, the husband would have been Naaman. And it would have been, uh, the, the Ksuba would have been very problematic. Lema says the Gemara, Lema Tnan Stama Deloke Rabban Gamliel. If that's true, that when there's no Edim, we don't believe her and we believe him. So that is against the theme that we've been seeing over the last many blot, that Rabban Gamliel uh, is is correct, because this Mishnah seems to not be like Rabban Gamliel. The Rabban Gamliel, Ha'amar Ihi Mehemna, Rabban Gamliel would have said that she is believed in such a case. So the Gemara responds, that's not correct. Our Mishnah could even be like the Shita of Rabban Gamliel. Eight lines down, Tezayin Madal. Afilu Tema Rabban Gamliel. Adkan Loka Amar Rabban Gamliel Hasam Ela Bebari Vishema. When is it that Rabban Gamliel is always lenient, that's in a case where the two claims that are present, one is Bari and one is Shema. One's a definite, confident claim, and the other is a, is a weak claim. However, Aval Hacha, in the case that we're dealing with over here, it's Bibari Bibari, lo, Bibari Bibari, Lo Amar. There, Rabban Gamliel, in our Mishnah that we're dealing with over here, where he where she speaks with confidence, that Basula Nisasani, and he says, Loki, that's not correct. He's also speaking with confidence. So if both Tainas come in confidently, that's not where Rabban Gamliel would be Mekel. So says the Gemara, that's such a good answer that I don't even understand why the question was asked. The Karila, my Karila, Habariu Barihu. You're right, absolutely. What a great answer. When does Rabban Gamliel say his answer that we always are we always believe her? That's Bari Vishema. Okay, that's when she makes a solid claim and he makes a terrible claim. Okay, of course we're gonna believe her, obviously. But when they're both Bari claims, so of course Rabban Gamliel wouldn't say that. What were you even asking? So says the Gemara, we're gonna weave in one other thing that made us think a little bit differently. Kavan nisos. Since most women, when they get married, they're Basulos, so then maybe Kibari Vishemadami. Maybe her claim is perfect and his claim is actually particularly weak, even though it sounds like a good claim. What does he say? You slept with someone. But she has a chazaka that she's a basula. So then what do the scales look like? She says, I am a basula. 
He says, no, you're not. And they're both confident. So that's Bari Babari. Says the Gemara, really not? Not so. She says, I'm a, I'm a basula. He says, you're not a basula, but going against him is her chazaka. So then the scales are heavier in her favor. So then that's why the Gemara says that this case might be different. We might have thought that. That... Um, uh, sorry, I lost my place here. Oh, yeah. So, Kevan de Barov Nashim, Vesulos Nisos, Kibari Vesham Adami. I might have thought that that was the case. So, that's what the Gemara says is that we could even say that it's like Rabban Gamliel. And the Havamina was that maybe we would have made a distinction about adding in her Chazaka against his claim, and we don't do that. It says the Gemara, It's actually very logical to assume that the Resha of our Mishnah is like Rabban Gamliel. Why? Because what does the Seifa say? What a beautiful raya. The Gemara has been telling us over the last many blot that we have this long-standing machlokas, Rabban Gamliel and Rabbi Yoshua. Rabban Gamliel, by and large, trusts a woman's psak, and it's certainly in the case of Bari Vesheva. Rabbi Yoshua doesn't. So we have the Reisha. We struggled to determine if it was Rabban Gamliel or not. We said, yeah, we could still explain it. That way, says the Gemara, I know that it's talking about Rabban Gamliel. Because look at the last three lines on Tes Vav Mubez. Umode Rabbi Yoshua. So says the Gemara, we see that Rabbi Yoshua is a perfect person. Then I understand. If Rabban Gamliel is the Reisha, then I understand that Rabbi Yoshua is the one who says Umode. If the Reisha is not really Rabban Gamliel, then who is Rabbi Yoshua arguing against where he says, That's not possible. So it says the Gemara, therefore, it must be that the Reisha of our Mishnah is Rabban Gamliel. The Gemara says, Misavris, Rabbi Yoshua, a high Pirkenkoi? When Rabbi Yoshua is talking about his din, three lines from the bottom of the page on Tesvav Medalif in the Mishnah, when he says, Umode Rabbi Yoshua, you think he's talking about our parak? He's not talking about our parak. He's talking about Amigu Koi, the Migu from the previous parak, Apirkin Kamakoi. What was the Migu that we had said? That if a woman makes a certain claim that she was violated after she was married, she could have always said Mukas Eitz. That was a great Migu. And there, Rabbi Yoshua was agreeing. So says the Gemara Ahaya, what exact case were we talking about in the previous parak that maybe Rabbi Yoshua was highlighting in our Mishnah? If you want to say is talking about the case that we learned yesterday, I think, maybe a couple of days ago, that that if a woman was pregnant, they said, who's the father of this child? What's the nature of this baby? And she responds, who from this guy, and the baby is a Kohen, doesn't mean he's a Kohen, just means he's a Kosher. So there, Rabban Gamliel, Rabbi Lazar, Omer Menes, Rabbi Yoshua, Omer Lomi, so there says the Gemara, her stomach is between her teeth, which is a metaphor for saying, hello, we know she slept with someone. She's pregnant. We don't believe in uh, immaculate conception. So says the Gemara, that can't be the case where there's a Migu. There is no Migu in that case. There's no other claim. What's she going to say? She's pregnant. You can't say that you didn't sleep with someone when you're pregnant. Says the Gemara, that can't be what the case uh, of Rabbi Yoshua is. So therefore, what case are we talking about? <coughs> uh, which our Mishnah here on the bottom of Tezvav Medbez is contrasting. A uh, third of the way down on Tezayin Medal, the Gemara says it must be, Ella. We saw she was talking with a man. So says the Gemara, Who is this guy you're talking to? And she responds, He's a kosher yid. We believe her to say that she was only alone with him and that she didn't sleep with him. And there too, hasam, my migu ika. What was the migu that was in that case? So says the Gemara. 
I could answer that question. I'll tell you what migu there was. Hanichal is Ze'iri. Remember, we had a machlokas. What does Medaberis mean? Ze'iri was of the opinion that Medaberis meant Nistra, that she was alone with someone. And Ravasi was of the opinion that Medaberis was just code word. It was Lishna Ma'alya, and she actually slept with someone. So Hanichal is Ze'iri to Amar Mai Medaberis Nistra, Migu Diboy Amar Lonivalti. So there, in such a case, in, in our case, where, where, where she would agree that she slept with someone, then she should be believed because she has a migu to say, I never slept with someone. So it says the Gemara, that's great. There is no migu. You can't say anything less than that. You're already you're saying that midaberis means to sleep with, with someone. So therefore, there's no migu in that case. Let's try it for the third time. Maybe it's the following case. She makes a claim that she's a mukas aids, that she was injured. And he says, not correct, you were trampled by a man, meaning she was violated, she had Tash Mishamita. And there too, like we've seen many times, Rabban Gamliel, Rabbi Lazar, Omer Menes, Rabbi Yoshua, Omer Lomi Pianu So says the Gemara in that case, where uh, Rabban Gamliel believes her to say she's a Mukas 8, and Rabbi Yoshua says, not correct, we don't believe her, Hasa, my Migu Ika. We saw this yesterday as well, that according to Rabbi Lazar, that the core machlokes between uh, the, these two Tanaim between Rabban Gamliel and Rabbi Yoshua is whether or not we're talking about dropping her money from, from Amana to, to Velo Klum, from 100 to 0. There, Migu Dibay Amras Mukas Etani Tachtich, the Islam Asayim. There, there's a migu that you should trust me that I'm I'm at 100 because I could have lied and made 200. I could have lied and says I was a mukase. So then when she's making a claim that would only leave her with 100, we believe her. According to Rabbi Yochanan, who says that the core machlokes between Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Yoshua is about the difference between a, 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 a ksuba of 200 versus 100, my migu ika, then there would be no migu in that case because we're talking about the same dollar amount. Now let's get to just one last case here. What are we talking about? What is the case of Yoshua is contrasting? A man marries a woman and they are together that first night and he doesn't find the basulim. She says, after we got engaged, I was violated. And you're tough luck. When we got engaged, I was a, I was in perfect shape. Right after that, she was violated. And just tough luck for you. And in, in that case, what had we seen a couple of blot ago? We saw the Rabban Gamaliel, Rabbi Lazar, Omer, Mnei, Menes, Rabbi Shomer, Lomi, Pianu, Chayin. Demigu di'iboya amra mukas eitani tachtich, deloka pasla nafshem ikuhuna. We believe her. Rabbi Yeshua says that there is a migu in this case, which is that she could have said that she's a mukas eitz. And then she said that she was violated, which does preclude her from marrying a kohen. That's why Rabban Gamliel believes her. I agree with the mukas eitz migu. I agree that if a woman was... Uh, was saying Ne'enasti, that she was violated uh, after she got engaged. We believe her because she could have had a better claim of Mukas 8. But Behahu Migu Dehasam Peligna Ilavach. But I don't agree with the other Migu that we were talking about in our Mishnah. Says the Gemara Michti, who cares? I don't understand. Rabbi Yeshua, why are you distinguishing between one Migu and the next? Says the Gemara Michti, Hai Migu Vahai Migu. Maishna Hai Migu Mihai Migu. Migu is a Migu. Once you're able to to say, I could have claimed a better claim and I didn't claim it. Trust me, I'm telling the truth. Who cares what the, you're splitting hairs now. A migu should always work. So says the Gemara, Hacha, 
Ein shor shachot lefanecha. Here, there's nothing shechted in front of you. This is talking about our Mishnah here, about the field. That's what Rabbi Yeshua is talking about. Rabbi Yeshua says in regards to the field, he never had to say anything. He never had to say anything at all. There's nothing in front of you slaughtered. There's nothing obvious about what's going on here. When he said, when he said that that field belonged to your father, he really could have said nothing and no one would have ever been the wiser. But in the other case, she has no basulim. There, we need to respond to something. So Rabbi Yeshua's distinction is that when the Migu is, is responding to something, that's different than when the Migu is not responding to something. And we're going to be stopping right here, four lines from the bottom at the word Vikavan. We'll pick up on Shabbos an hour before Mincha and learn the balance of this stop and the next one, Yud Zion, wishing you all a beautiful night. Mm-hmm.